Praise the Lord. Morning, happy Sabbath, everyone. Thank you, choir, for that wonderful song. Truth is, I'm uh, from the conservative branch of Adventism. But I fear y'all going to mess around with your good singing and your good music and make me the first Pentecostal Adventist preacher there is. <laughs> it's all right to praise and worship the Lord, is it not? Praise God for being in his house today. I know we're still in the 40 for fruit series and 40 for fruit evangelism period. And today I just decided just to take just a tiny little detour and worship Jesus, Christ our King. So this morning I want to take you to my favorite chapter in the Bible, which will come out in my favorite message, Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, and we'll look at verses 1 through 3. I'll read to you from the New King James Version. Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. When you have it, say amen. Bible says, And I saw... In the right hand of him who sat on the what? Throne. A scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel. What kind of angel? Proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy Hmm. to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or even under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Will you consider with me this morning for a subject? Watch the throne. Watch the throne. Let us pray. Father God, we're grateful. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory be to the King of Kings. And Lord of Lords, Father, we worship you today. Father, it's evident just from the music and the praise and worship. God, you want us to consider this topic today. We lift your name on high. Blessing and honor. Only you are worthy. Bless us now, God, as we study your word. Give us truths that are pertinent for salvation. And God, as always, I do not wish that anyone would remember the messenger. Not even so much the message, God, but the master in the message. Bless us and keep us. And above all things, if you never do another thing, save us into your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in high school, if you were here throughout the revival, I told you I played basketball. In fact, I was on the basketball team for all four years. Two years of JV, two years of varsity. Truth was, I really wasn't that good. Couldn't get it together around that time. I didn't have the dexterity or the athletic skill around that time. And also the Sabbath sometimes was a hindrance for me to make it to practice and to make some of the games. So I spent most of my time on the bench. Still yet, beside that, I always like to be prepared for the game just in case I had the opportunity to get in. And while I was in high school, I usually my custom was to listen to hardcore rap music before the game started. Because, brothers, you know good and well you can't listen to classical music 
before you're about to go and do battle with the enemy. So I would listen to the hardest core rap I could find. In fact, I listened to one brother by the name of White Eyes. He was talking about killing people and doing all kind of crazy stuff. And by the time the game came, I was ready to run through a wall. (laughs) Do anything for my team. So during my high school years, I enjoyed rap music for a time. Don't worry, I don't listen to it anymore. However, my favorite rapper probably around those years was Jay-Z. How many of you know who Jay-Z is? And my favorite album from him was the Black Album. In fact, I can even recall some of the lyrics in my head right now. Gloria Carter and Adonis Reeves made love under the sycamore tree, which makes me a more sicker MC. And my mother would claim, I'll stop because I know you're getting uncomfortable, but... mm. I enjoy Jay-Z. So the other day, uh, well, not the other day, a few months back, I heard that on August 8th, Jay-Z and Kanye West, two of hip-hop's most successful and most popular rappers, came out with an album they entitled Watch the Throne. Now, Pastor, you know when we hear stuff like that, anything about a throne or about God, we must stay current and on the front lines. And so I did not intend to just bash this album and bash Jay-Z and give you the truth about hip-hop without having actually listened to the album. So I went on YouTube. I listened for a while, listened to the album, see, to see what they had to say. I even looked at the lyrics and studied them. I studied what the critics had to say and what people's opinions were of the album. And here is what I found. took me a little while, but I think I got it. This album, Watch the Throne, upholds the belief that it's all about me. When Kanye and Jay-Z talk about watching the throne, they are talking about the throne of the world. What they are basically saying is, look at me. Look what I have attained. When they talk about all the money that they make, all the cars that they have, all the bling that they have in their possession, all the women that they have slept with, they are saying, look at me. Look what I got. I have ascended to the highest point in the world. I have defeated and conquered all that life has thrown at me because I have money and because I am famous. Look at me. I made it. I'm on the top of the world. And so with masterful skill, And with wonderful and skillful lyrics, they bid every young person, every adult, and anybody who would listen to their music, look at me and look at my good fortune. One critic even says that the album is lyrically deep, and at some times it's emotionally satisfying, but it is sad that Jay-Z and Kanye West cannot get beyond their own luxurious lives. They are obsessed with themselves. One other critic said the album features themes of opulence and fame, materialism, power, and the burden of success. Jay-Z and Kanye West's lyrics boast of obscene wealth, grandiosity, self-aggrandizement. The album centers around their larger-than-life egos. And the critic Jody Rosen actually writes that These brothers are obsessed with their own king-size lives. Actually, I listened to one song in particular over and over again to 
try to get the meaning of what they were trying to say. One song was entitled Made in America. In this song, they go even as far as to pay homage to Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, Coretta King, and other notable civil rights activists. And then they even give credit to Jesus. But if you listen to the song, it's almost as if they are saying, we are next in line. Martin did his thing. Malcolm did his thing in America. And those great men have passed the torch and passed the mantle to us. Because they have made it in America, they feel they have so much popularity. And the truth is, some people actually worship them. They think they now sit on the throne and they deserve to be worshipped. In their minds, America has a throne because of what they have. They have bought themselves a seat on that throne. And so they say, watch the throne. And this morning, brothers and sisters, I am likely and inclined to agree with Jay-Z and Kanye West. I do believe that we ought to watch the throne. In fact, there are three thrones that we ought to be watching. Here's the first one. As Christians, we ought to watch the throne of the world. Be aware and be observant, brothers and sisters. Look and see who the world sets up on thrones. Look at who they admire and who they adore. And for the most part, we should do the opposite. The world's idea of royalty and people that are worthy of worship is usually people that have no respect for God and no love for their fellow man. Look at the world today. You would be crazy not to admit that media and entertainment has the world in a vice grip. In fact, you don't even have to look at entertainment. Just look at the definition of entertainment. If you mess around with the definition a little bit and play with the words a little bit, you'll come up with this definition. It means to come in and possess and keep in a state of possession. And I believe firmly today that it is a part of the devil's plan to keep all of us in his possession. And the fact is the devil does not mind sharing us because he knows that if he has part of us, God does not have all of us. I read... C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. Read it sometime. He talks about demons and their profession. He talks about an older and more experienced demon called screw tape. Then he talks about a younger, inexperienced demon called Wormwood. And in this book, Wormwood is trying to make this Christian man fall over and over again. He's trying to tempt him. He's trying to get him to fall. He's trying to renounce his Christianity. And he is having no success until Screwtape, the older, more senior demon, comes to him and says, Listen, you don't have to get him to do anything spectacularly evil. Just let him be complacent with his faith. Because the road to hell is a gradual one. Look at entertainment today. Every television channel is filled with another reality TV show. Basketball wise. Some of you are actually keeping up with the Kardashians. Jersey Shore. Real Housewives of Atlanta. 
And people like to see other people with crazy circumstances and going through drama. Every rap video has the same theme over and over again. I used to listen to rap. I'm not talking from inexperience. It's the same thing. I got money. I got cars. I have a few women. Look at me. For the most part, the people who we see the most on TV entertaining us are either people and celebrities that push the moral limits of society or celebrities who enter into scandals. And you know how much the world loves a scandal. Young people in the world choose for their heroes, people who believe that having money and power is the measure of success. Not living a good life, not growing up to take care of your family and do something with yourself, or doing well in school, only people that have money and power are their heroes. And if we are not careful, brothers and sisters, we will watch other people's lives so much that we just might end up like them. But then even look at the world's leaders today. World's politicians and leaders are also put up on a high pedestal, are they not? What I have found is that these brothers make promises they cannot keep. And the truth is they compromise at every level. Hmm. Some people actually believe in politicians today. They believe if so-and-so gets elected, we'll have a better world. In fact, we might even gain world peace. But the truth is, brothers and sisters, although we have relative periods of peace in the world, the fact is the world is not getting better. It's getting worse day by day. People are actually finding new ways to sin, inventing new ways of evil. Truth is, we have more murderers, more racists, more terrorists, more arsonists in the world than ever before. Well then, preacher, why in the world are you telling me to watch the throne of the world? Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you so that you can watch the times and the seasons. And know that this world is not your home. And although people and celebrities and politicians and leaders want our time and attention, we must remember this world is not our home. We are pilgrims. Just passing through, trying to get to glory. And one day my Bible tells me that even the most successful people, kings and queens and emperors and politicians and celebrities will one day have to bow before God. In fact, the word of God says every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. They're going to find out soon enough. In fact, the Bible tells us that men will run to and fro. Knowledge will increase. And I love the book of Daniel because the book of Daniel shows that great statue with its head of gold and its chest of silver and its thighs of brass and its legs of iron and its feet of iron and miry clay representing the empires of the world. But then Daniel says that he sees a stone that is cut out of a mountain without hands. And that stone grows into a rock and it grows into a boulder. And one day it will smash the statue at its feet and crumble it. 
A mountain will take over the entire world. And so the Bible is letting us know that God is setting up kingdoms and he's knocking them down. Watch the throne of the world. See how God is setting up people and taking them down. See how the signs of the times are telling us this age is wrapping up and God is about to set up his kingdom, whether you believe it or not. I just don't want us as Christians, as believers, to be so enamored with the world that when Jesus finally comes, we find ourselves on the other side of glory. We are in the world, are we not? But the truth is, we are not of the world. Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God says, don't follow the pattern of this world. God tells us, be ye separate. And that's why the fact of the matter is that there ought to be something different about us, brothers and sisters. I know the cliche terms. Yes, we, we ought to dress different and talk different and act different. But I'm not only talking about that. I believe that we as Christians in the last days need to be so connected with Christ and so dripping wet with the spirit that people inside the church and outside the church recognize that we have been with the Lord. Kid you not, this morning I have been in places and amongst group of people where people, they, they don't even know God, have no concern or care for him, and they took notice that I have been with God. And I know good and well it wasn't my good looks, it wasn't my dress, it wasn't my charm, it was God. Hmm. Well, we ought to be different. Am I right about it? God's people should watch the throne of the world so that we know what not to be like. We should not be so money hungry like the world. We should not be so power hungry like the world. Instead, we should be using our gifts and our talents and our abilities to serve God where we are. God says, come out from among them. Come out from among them, young people. Come out from among them, old people. There is nothing good in the world for you. Don't get caught up in the world. We have to remember we're just pilgrims. Let the world have its throne. Let us take God. Which brings me to my next point. Brothers and sisters, you should watch this first throne so that you know what not to be like and who you are not to be. But this next throne, you should watch simply because you will find out who you really are and what you really should be doing and who you really should be worshiping. And you guessed it, it's God's throne. Brothers and sisters, you ought to watch God's throne. Well, the Bible tells us that there is such a thing as a heavenly throne, where the one and true only royal one sits. The Bible says that after Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, he told his disciples, brothers, wait in Jerusalem. Until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But they did not wait in idleness, brothers and sisters. Luke tells us that they were worshiping God while they were waiting. They stayed continually at the temple, praising and praising and blessing God and praying on one accord as they waited for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Then 10 days after, just as Jesus had promised, 10 days after he ascended and 50 days after Passover, there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. 
Bible says cloven tongues of fire rested on the disciples. They began to speak in other tongues. And I believe Peter had a good day that day because in his first spirit filled sermon, 3000 people gave their life to Christ so that so we know there was some great things going on in Jerusalem during that time. We know there was some great things going on on earth. But you might be interested in knowing what was going on in heaven before the Holy Spirit came. And I'm so thankful today that what Luke and the book of Acts leaves out, Revelation picks up. Brothers and sisters, strap in your seatbelts now and buckle up. We are taking a nonstop flight to glory. Do you want to go? Do you want to go? Well, the Bible tells us that after most of the original disciples had been dead and tortured by the sword and through many other means they were killed, only John, the beloved disciple, was left alive on the island of Patmos. Well, from that island, John wrote the book of Revelation. And he wrote one day that he was in the spirit. <laughs> he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He wrote one day that uh, as he was standing there, a voice said to him, come up here, John, and I will show you things that must take place. And immediately, John found himself in the throne room of heaven. And it was here that John got an eyewitness account of what was going on in heaven right after Jesus ascended. There, he says, I saw a throne. He also says that he saw one, capital O, that sat upon that throne. And the truth is, although the beloved tried his best, he did not have the vocabulary to describe the one that sat on the throne. All he said was that he looks like Sapphire and he looks like Sardis. Then later he said there was lightning and thunderings emanating from the throne and proceeding from it. But John could not describe the one. Says he could not describe him with any human features. The one looked like nothing he had ever seen before. He could not liken him to any image he had conceived in his mind. The truth is today, brothers and sisters, <laughs> that mankind, even with all of its knowledge and all of its technological advances, we still struggle today to try and describe God. God is still God, is he not? Still high above the heavens, still lifted up. One song says he is indescribable, uncontainable. He put the stars in the sky and he calls them by name. But nobody has come up with a word or phrase or paragraph or book or any verbal or written document that could completely describe God. Isaiah said even the heavens of heavens cannot contain him. We cannot describe God, neither can we understand him. John Wesley said, show me a worm that can understand a man, and I'll show you a man that could understand the triune God. St. Augustine, the great theologian and the great writer, was trying to figure out God at one point in his life. And the story goes that he had a vision. And in this vision, he was walking on the beach and he saw a young boy and the young boy was playing in the sand, digging a hole. And then 
he got his bucket and went into the ocean and grabbed some water and put it into the hole. And he did it over and over and over again. And St. Augustine said, boy, what are you doing? Boy said, I'm trying to put the whole ocean into this hole. St. Augustine said, boy, you're a fool. There's no way you can put the whole ocean into this hole. And the story goes that the boy looked up at St. Augustine squarely in the eyes and he said to him, neither can you put God into your tiny little brain. We cannot understand God. The truth is today I'm somewhat ashamed at myself for ever giving the impression that I understand God. God cannot fit into my mind. Oh, I don't understand God. Oh, yes, I love him. Oh, yes, I know him. Oh, yes, I pray to him and I read his word, but I do not understand God. I would not insult God by saying I knew where he came from or where he is going or what makes him tick. All I know is, is that he is. Well, Bible lets us know that he transcends space and time. Not only do we not understand him, brothers and sisters, we barely know the extent of God's power or what he is capable of. Let me see if I can try to help you today. Word of God tells us in Ephesians 3.20 that this God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. But think about that for a moment, brothers and sisters. That means that if you can conceive it, it would not take the smallest iota of God's power to produce it. Truth is, mankind has not conceived or imagined anything that God has not already thought of or could do. The Bible says his very words spoke this world into existence. Well, sometimes we even insult God when we ask God for things. And we exalt him in two ways. First of all, because we don't understand God, we often ask for things that God does not want us to have. Things that would work our destruction. So I thank God for the Holy Spirit today. Because the Bible says that he takes our crazy prayers and our ridiculous requests and he changes it into language that God can understand. Well, we insult God also because the fact is some of our prayers are just too small. Someone's going through cancer. We pray that they make it through surgery. Okay. But why not ask God to heal the cancer? <laughs> he's God. And he's going to do what he wants to do anyway. Just ask him. One writer said that we tie God's hands. God wants to do stuff, but he can't do it because we do not ask. So even our requests are an insult to God. We cannot understand God, brothers and sisters. We cannot contain God, neither can we describe God. John found that out firsthand view. Bible says that after this, John, because he could not describe the one, he said, you know what, I may as well go ahead and describe where I am. So John describes the throne room itself. And he says he saw around the throne 24 other thrones. Seated on these thrones were 24 elders clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And in front of the throne 
there was a sea of glass like crystal, praise God. And around the throne there were four living creatures with six wings and eyes in the front, eyes in the back, eyes on the side, and eyes all around them. And John wrote that these creatures do not sleep. But in fact, day in and day out, and moment by moment, all they do is cry out, Holy! 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The Bible says that when they do that, the 24 elders know their cue. And they fall right in in line and they cast their golden crowns at the feet of the throne. And they say, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things. By your will, just your very will, they exist. Now, the Bible says all of heaven worships God, the Father, day in and day out. For they realize indeed that he is the only one worthy and the only creator. But then, as we move into chapter 5, put that on the screen for them. As we move into chapter 5, John looks a little bit closer at the throne. And he sees in the hand of the one who sits on the throne a scroll. What did I say? Scholars tell us that the scroll can be many things, brothers and sisters. Could be the book of life where the names of all the saints throughout the ages, including you and me, are recorded. Some say it could be the book of the covenant, the book that every Israelite king was supposed to keep and honor and revere because in it, it contained the duty of God's people. And they were supposed to lift up the standards of God above all else. But here's my personal favorite. One author says that the scroll was the title deed to the universe. You know what a deed is, don't you? When you buy a house, you better get a deed. That means you own it. Don't you know that when Adam and Eve sinned, brothers and sisters, that the ownership of the world actually passed to Satan for a period of time. In fact, Jesus even says he was the ruler of this world. John writes that as he looked at the scroll, he wept. Not that he cried. Not that he shed a tear. John wept because it contained the title deed to our lives. It contained future events and what would happen to God's people, whether they would be saved or lost. And he wept much because nobody was found worthy. Open that scroll. But the funny thing is, is that the Bible says there was no one, nobody found worthy in heaven. I have to help y'all. There was many people in heaven, brothers and sisters. I remember that Enoch was in heaven. That great and faithful believer who walked and talked with God so much that he just got carried away. The Bible says they looked at his life. He was not found worthy. Well, Moses was up in heaven, was he not? That great and faithful leader of God's people, that prophet, that man that put his life on the line for God's people time and time again. That man that put up with stiff neck believers in the wilderness for 40 years. Bible says they looked at his life and believe it or not, 
he was not found worthy. Well, the Bible says Elijah was up in heaven. <laughs> Elijah, that great prophet who did many miracles on behalf of God. Elijah, who was taken up into a fiery chariot, they looked at his life and they found out he was not worthy. Well, Gabriel was up in heaven. <laughs> that great messenger of God. That messenger who was sent on so many errands and so many missions from God to earth. It was Gabriel who first informed Mary that in her womb, Jesus was going to be conceived. But he was not found worthy. Well, the Bible says 24 elders were in heaven. Scholars say that these elders represent the saints of God who have come through the blood washing. And now they are in white robes. But the word of God says they were not found worthy. Well, four living creatures were up in heaven. What about them? We don't know much about them, but the Bible says they were not found worthy. And believe it or not, the word of God says nobody, nobody. in heaven nobody. or on earth. And so I believe heavenly agencies were dispatched to look at your life and my life. And they peeled away the curtain. They took away all the pretense. And believe it or not, they found out you were not worthy. And I was not worthy. And the Bible says John wept. But just then, oh God, thank you, God. Just then, one of the elders turned to John. Said, John, shut up. Stop weeping. Dry up those tears. See the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has triumphed. And when he heard that, John pictured in his mind a great and stately lion. A lion with a kingly mane. A strong lion that was able to break down the middle wall of partition. John pictured in his mind a lion with great claws that broke the bonds of sin that bind us. But the funny thing is about this text. Get this. That although John hears a lion... That's not what he actually sees. <laughs> when John actually looks, he does not see a lion at all. In fact, what John sees is a slain lamb. Oh, God, it's in the text. Does not see a lion. He sees Jesus, his broken body, his bloody and bruised from the cross. He does not see him standing there in power like some of the rappers and some of the world leaders. He sees a slain lamb. Does not see him standing pious. Holy art thou like some of the scribes and the Pharisees. Sees Jesus with holes in his hands. My God. Nail marks in his feet. The wounds in his side and the marks on his head from the crown of thorns. Bible says that the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ the righteous, was the only one in heaven or on earth found worthy. Because he died, Jesus beat back death with a stick and rose again and ascended on high and took that scroll. And sat down next to God the Father. Well, look at verse 8. Bible says heaven went crazy, y'all. 
Now when he had taken the scroll, four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, nobody else, and have redeemed us to God. And with your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made us kings, oh God, and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. But it keeps on going. Look at verse 11. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels. How many angels? Around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000, oh God, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all of them, the Bible says. John said he heard them saying, blessing and honor and glory God and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. Amen. Oh, God. John says Jesus was the only one. I said he was the only one, brothers and sisters. Not one of them. I say he was the only one that was found worthy in heaven and in earth to sit down on the throne and to speak to God and to take that scroll. So the truth is you don't need to decide today who's worthy. You don't need to do any research. Heaven has done the research for you. They have surveyed every creature. They have looked at every single organism and they have found only one is worthy. Jesus Christ, the righteous. So the truth is today, you probably just need to rebuke anybody who says you need to worship them or who stands in a pious or holier than thou manner because only God is worthy. You better watch God's throne. Truth is today you need to rebuke in the name of Jesus every substance that demands control of your body. Truth is only God is worthy. You need to rebuke the nightlife. You need to rebuke that man or that woman that doesn't want anything to do with God because the word of God says only one is worthy. Let me help y'all today. Y'all better watch God's throne. I hope you see him as the only one that is worthy. The Bible said he was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Christ brought us again to himself. And one day he says he's coming back to get us. And the throne of the world will be crushed by the throne of God. Now, this might be your shouting cue. I don't know. Apostle John says it like this. John says that one day, Michael, 
otherwise known as Jesus, will one day stand up from that throne. And he will declare war on this world. The Bible says he will mount his white horse. Says he will bring with him the armies of heaven. He is called faithful and true. His eyes are like flames of fire. I'm just reading the text. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that nobody could pronounce except himself. He was clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Armies of heaven followed him on white horses. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword to judge the world. And on his thigh is the name written King of Kings. Because he alone sets up kings and takes them down. I'm just trying to tell you there's only one worthy. Oh, I love that old battle hymn, brothers and sisters. When Christ mounts that horse. And I read Revelation 19. It comes back into my mind all over again. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible swift sword. His truth is marching on. He has sounded forth the trumpet that shall never call retreat. He is sifting out the hearts of men before his judgment seat. Oh, be swift, my soul, to answer him. Woo! Be jubilant, my feet. Our God is marching on. It's coming like the glory of the morning on the wave. He is the wisdom of the mighty. He is succor to the brave. So the world is his footstool, oh God. And the soul of time is his slave. Our God is marching on. Brothers and sisters, watch the throne of God. Oh God, watch for when Jesus stands up and says, it is finished. Well, which brings me to the final throne. I did say three thrones, did I not? The final throne you ought to watch. Brothers and sisters, the third throne that you ought to watch, besides the throne of the world and besides the throne of God, you better watch the throne of your own heart. Because before God proclaims war on the world, he's proclaiming war on you. Mm -hmm. Can I help you? Sister White says, this is the inspired pen. She says that the sign that Christ's sacrifice had been accepted into glory was the Holy Spirit. In other words, while the disciples were waiting for the Holy Spirit, when they finally received him, it was the signal that Christ was now king. She says it meant to them that the kingdom had been successfully won. When they received the Holy Spirit, it was a sign that Christ was king. So it is when the Holy Spirit is invited to our lives. We better know what we are praying for because when he comes in, he's coming to throw out the old regime and to plant his flag in the middle of our hearts and say only he is worthy. He's coming to set up shop and say God is king here now. 
It's his domain. Christ sent his spirit into our hearts so that he could be king there as well. Watch the throne of your heart. Better watch your own throne, brothers and sisters. There's a seat of influence in your heart. And whoever or whatever you allow to sit there will make you who you are. Or be weary and be careful of the people you admire. And be weary of the people you hang around with. Be careful of what you watch and be careful to what you listen to. Guard your heart with all diligence. Keep your feet on the path of righteousness. Let God rest, rule, and abide in you. Let his flag flow high from the castle of your heart. You are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Don't let anybody or anything take God's place within you. You need to say today, I only have one king. Nobody else. Forget Jay-Z. Oh, I love Barack Obama. He's my favorite president yet. But only God is worthy. Nobody else. I don't worship nobody but God. And my knees only buckle for him. Because only Christ died for me. Well, brothers and sisters, the story is told of a father, my Lord, who took his sons out on the boat with him one day. They had been out with him on the boat many times. And as always, the father told his son, listen, don't play around on the boat. You could get hurt. Don't want anything to happen to you. But you know how little boys are. They get rough and they wrestle a little bit. And the father was, he turned around and he began to steer the boat as the boat took off from the dock. Oh, God. And the story goes that as the little boys were wrestling and the father's back was to them, they wrestled and it got rougher and rougher till eventually they fell off the boat. Took the father a little bit of time before he realized they weren't there. And when he looked around, he finally saw his boys were not there and they were a great distance away from him. And he heard his one of his sons scream, Daddy, come and get us. Father was about to put the key into the boat and turn it on and turn it around. And then out of the corner of his eye, he saw something in the water. And being out on his boat many times and being accustomed with water, he knew exactly what it was. There was a shark in the water headed directly for his sons. The father knew how fast those sharks could swim in the water. He knew that his sons with their little legs could not make it to the boat in time. He knew that even the boat could not make it to them to pick them up before the shark would get to them. So he did what any good father would do. And what any loving parent would do. He looked around the deck of the boat, found something sharp, took it and slit both of his wrists and jumped in the water and swam as far as he could away from the boat. And he called to his children, swim to the boat. Story goes that while the shark feasted on him, the boys had just enough time to make it into the boat. Or it goes from that time on, they only had one hero in their life. And it was their father. Brothers and sisters, I want to let you know today that only one person has died for you. And his name is Jesus. Jesus.
Even your righteousness was as filthy rags. Your little legs could not tread the water of sin. You could not make it to the old ship of Zion if it were not for God. Yes, yes. Come on. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Bible says only he is worthy. Yes. When he ascended on high, he sent back the spirit so that he could live inside of us. So that he could be king of the throne of our heart. Well, I'll end like this. I believe that the Holy Spirit has come for two reasons, brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit has come to take us to Calvary. So that we can see Jesus high and lifted up. So we can see Jesus, the slain lamb and the lion of the tribe of Judah. So that we can see Jesus as our only sacrifice and that nobody else is worthy. But I also believe that the Holy Spirit has come to take us to Calvary, not only for us to see Jesus, but to put us on our own cross. I believe the Holy Spirit has come to teach us to die to self every single day. Because even we are not worthy. Even with all of our church membership, even with all of our tithe that we pay, we are not worthy. Only God is worthy. Father, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Teach us, oh God. To watch your throne. Only you are worthy. Lord, if I had 10,000 tongues, I could not tell the story. I cannot describe you, God, with my primitive and pitiful words. You are God. And there's nobody like you in all the earth. Oh, Lord, teach us, oh God. Teach us to treat you like the kings of old. That when you are present, we bow, God. (laughs) And our heads go down. And we put on sackcloth and ashes. Because we know we are not worthy. Teach us, God, to treat you like the Jewish believers of old. Who would not even dare pronounce your name. Lord, there's nobody worthy. We don't care today, God, who the world puts up on thrones. All we care about is yours, God. Teach us, God, to guard the throne of our hearts, God. To stand on the wall as watchmen and let nothing rest, rule, and abide in us but you. So today, God, so today somebody needs to make a decision, Lord. Somebody needs to make a decision. I don't know who it is, God. Somebody needs to accept Christ today. Bring them forward even now. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Somebody in the building today. Somebody here right now.